0: Yeah, great question. So the traditional sense, not necessarily, but I think when Watson becomes your assistant that helps you get work done, you need to be able to teach your assistant how to do things for you, right? And it needs to be able to work in different applications that you work in. Mm-hmm. Your HR it could be Workday, it could be Salesforce, um, you know, it could be your ERP system. So there's many different systems and records or different tools, but the ability to talk to Watson and have Watson go do something for you inside one of these systems is essentially a skill. Now, How do we do that? That can be through.
1: Hello and welcome to season two of bots and thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by salient process. I'm your host, Jimmy Hewitt, AKA Mr. Automation. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of Bots and Thoughts. I'm so excited to bring you this special guest, my friend, Ben Mandelstein, who leads worldwide sales of IBM's AI-powered digital labor platform, Watson Orchestrate. Generative AI, custom large language models, sequencing AI, and automation AI technology has arrived at the confluence with mainstream demand for these technologies, as evidenced by ChatGPT's meteoric rise to popularity. IBM got this right, matching technology with market readiness. So I am delighted to bring you Ben Mandelstein and IBM Watson Orchestrate. Welcome to the show, Ben. Ben Mandelstein calling in from the Client Briefing Center in New
0: York City, how are you? Hey Jimmy, doing great. I've been a long time listener of the podcast, so uh glad that I've earned my spot and uh, earned some <laughs> time here in your, your busy calendar. I know you've had some, some really good guests recently, so thanks for having me.
1: For sure, for sure. I was really looking forward to this session too, Ben. Uh, there's a lot going on in the technology space. Uh, this is a really timely episode with IBM's response to concepts like generative AI and digital labor, something that you've been living and breathing for the last, you tell me. Uh, as we jump in for the audience, we've been working together for a while now, Ben, but again, for the audience, who is Ben Mandelstein? Uh, what do you
0: do for work?
1: And um, maybe before that, how's your summer going?
0: Thanks, Jimmy. and. Um... I guess to start off with, uh, we, we had our big announcement, I think recently, and I've been traveling every week the last eight weeks, so it hasn't really felt like summer, um, but I've been loving uh, getting out and meeting uh, lots of different IBMers, clients, partners, and there's been a great energy around digital labor, generative AI, and some of the, the latest things we came out with. Um, but to take it back a step, so Ben Mandelstein, been with IBM for seven years. Um, I've seen IBM transform quite a bit in the the seven years I've been here. Um, I've had a few different roles. Came in as part of the team that was uh, IBM Connexa acquisition around Hmm. HR technology, and uh, really where IBM looked to infuse AI inside of some different HR tech um, that was part of Conexa. Had the opportunity to be a worldwide program manager in our cloud platform brand, which was very unique and interesting. And then about two years ago, um, had the unique opportunity to kind of create this startup inside of IBM, uh, which was a Watson orchestrate. So working alongside the product management team, essentially leading our go-to-market efforts, which is unique. You don't typically see that at an IBM, you know, dedicated team to go talk to both existing clients, people who weren't our clients, um, product did a lot of paid, paid research groups but a lot of the focus was to make sure that we could really build Watson orchestrate to be something that everyone can use not just large giant companies Um, but we wanted to make digital labor something that could be adopted at scale Um, not just something you know like in the past some some of the best automation technologies might have only been adopted by the large organizations with massive budgets Mm -hmm. but that's been a big focus for the entire really two years um, of orchestry.
1: I love that you mentioned digital labor. Why don't you give us a broad kind of overview of what that means? Digital labor generative AI. um, Just describe that terrain for us. Maybe the circumstances leading up to why everybody in America and around the world is talking about that now. Um, And if you could maybe maybe answer as if you're talking to a business person for starters. Um, and then I might ask you to do the same kind of terrain overview of talking to a technologist, but for now sure. business person, yeah. broad brushstrokes on generative AI and uh
0: digital labor please. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, from a business perspective, I think all of us are being asked to do more to try to figure out how we can be more productive. Uh, while all of us have this tedious manual work on our plate, I know I do personally, um, I have a lot in the past and some of my other roles in IBM as well. Um, so it's not unique to any company, but everyone's trying to be more productive, get more out of their workforce. Um, while we've seen a massive shortage of the people who have the right skills to fill the right role, Um, and so this was something that I think blossomed during the pandemic. You heard great resignation a lot of companies struggling to hire and get the right talent. And while some people thought, okay, after the pandemic, this will go back to normal and we'll be able to hire the right people and we'll be okay. What we've actually seen is, is, you know, from all the research we're doing is it's actually going to get worse and it's not going to get better. And it wasn't specific to the pandemic, but there's this massive shortage of people who have the right skills to do the right roles so i think it provides an amazing opportunity for digital labor to help assist us to be more productive and what does that mean so what is digital labor essentially in the past we've had you know bots like rpa bots and we've had chat bots but you know the rpa bot is you know, you've been prescriptive prescribed it to handle one process really well but sometimes you need, you have more nuance. There's more um, back and forth with the human that needs to happen. Um, and you, you need to be able to handle more variants. And so sometimes RPA doesn't necessarily work in some of those use cases. Yeah. they can um, be kind of brittle. Yeah. You, you know, more than anyway. you guys build a lot of different bots and, and actually implement those solutions. You understand, you know, where they're very useful and what the limitations are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from a chatbot perspective, it's great at answering questions. We use them inside of IBM, um, like AskHR, but it, you know, it kind of stops there, right? It answers the question, but it can not actually help you get something done. And so essentially, if, you know, a few years back, it started as a research concept, but what if you could just talk to Watson in natural language, and it could actually help you get work done. So when you look at your day, You look at kind of the manual, repetitive work, that's not exciting. It's not adding value. It's just something that has to be done. What if Watson could do that for you? So that was the the kind of concept behind it. In fact, our CEO Arvin um, presented it, I think, uh, a couple years back, even while it's still in research. And I believe we had some early conversations uh, with with you and your team at Salient back then, just giving Mm -hmm. us some early feedback on the solution. So um, we came a long way since then. And I think what we're finding is that with generative AI, a lot of business users who weren't technologists, who aren't technical, maybe you've heard of AI. They thought it was a buzzword. They're, they're really interested in, in AI and automation right now, more than ever. Thanks to Chat GPT, right? I mean, everyone's heard about Chat GPT, whether you use it or not, it's all over the news. Fastest
1: growing time. app ever. Yeah, hundred million users in, I forget, the, a very short time period, but, but yeah, right. ChatGPT, everybody's heard of it
0: for sure. <laughs> so people are like, oh, well, could I use ChatGPT to do this for me? Uh, could I do it to, you know, in many ways it's a black box and there, there's not explainability and there's questions on how safe it is. But the thing that it did great is it got people thinking in a creative way how they could apply generative models and automation technology to solve business problems. And Mm -hmm. so I think we're at this kind of perfect inflection point of there's a massive need, many organizations, right? That don't have the right people with the right skills and they're trying to plan for the future and just hiring is not alone gonna be good enough. So we, we have that at the same time that we have all this interest around generative AI, but how can we use it in a safe way? Right. And so Mm. with digital labor, one of the major ways we're using foundation models is to actually sequence the micro automations together or the steps in a process to where it can actually handle more complex tasks. So instead of being very prescriptive, like with RPA and saying, here's the steps A through Z, right, you could have an RPA step you could have an API call and the, the, the sequencing AI can actually sequence those steps together all through a conversational experience. So to the end user, it can kind of look like magic if they don't understand what's happening behind the scenes. Um, IBM were very big on explainability though, so we don't want it to be magic. We wanna tell you exactly how it happened, mm. how our foundation models are watching user patterns over time. And that's actually how your digital labor gets to know how you like to work and makes better recommendations on what you'd like to do next. Does that help um, from, from a business perspective? Oh, yeah, that's
1: great. Um, while we're on in the business world, could you take a step back on explainability? Define that for our audience. Why is that important? And how does Watson orchestrate it? accomplish explainability.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So explainability is essentially understanding how the AI came up with the answer. And Mm. so when you look at something like a chat GPT, you know, I I use it myself. I I write my wife poems with chat GPT. It is fun. Uh,
1: I don't think she'll be (laughs) listening to the podcast unless she's a big (laughs) hyper automation girl. I don't
0: know. Oh, your secret's safe with me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, But I can't see from ChatGPT why it chose that analogy, or why did it Mm. pick this certain structure in the poem, right? How did it come up with this answer? In in a lot of ways, it's a black box. It's fun to play with. Um, For us, we we are really big on causal AI um, or explainability, where we're able to say, this is how the AI came up with its answer. And this is the level of confidence that it has. And we've been doing this for many years, even when Watson beat Jeopardy, you know, this is exactly what was happening behind the scenes. You know, if you think about Jeopardy, you know, there's Mm. a topic you have to having to figure out what the the question is. That was many years ago, right? And they had to have a certain level of confidence that this is the right question. Um, So having explainable AI is very important. And then what we've launched with Watson X is the ability to actually work with the company to create their own large language model, right? So ChatGPT is just one model. Um, we've announced our partnership with Hugging Face, which I believe I read a news article. Hugging Face has a hundred thousand large language models, and so ChatGPT is great at starting the conversation, but it's just one model. And so one of the things ibm's doing is working with companies to determine what's the right data set to train the model how big does the model need to be Mm -hmm. and there's all these factors that really determine um, the accuracy the explainability and and lowering the latency and some running some of these models for different uses of business cases
1: Mm -hmm. okay so we're throwing out some technical terms there which i love and half of our podcast audience does as well. Um, Let's get into that. What are some of the key capabilities and components? If you were to pop the hood on Watson
0: Orchestrate, what would you see? Yeah, yeah, great question, Jimmy. And as you guys know, um, RPA is is very useful. So robotic process automation is very useful for many different lines of businesses, very useful for solving things where you may not have a good API to use.
1: Yeah. And And also, everyone Seems to have RPA already deployed within their business.
0: Absolutely. So, an agnostic RPA strategy, but providing IBM RPA was a core part of our strategy with Orchestrate, and then also um, App Connect. So, many people may not have heard. It's basically IBM's iPaaS solution. Um, we have over 130 different things that already have out-of-the-box connections, uh, pre-built integrations. And we're able to leverage all of those inside of Orchestrate through App Connect and make it easier to connect to other applications. So whether you're calling an API, mm-hmm. whether you're leveraging a RPA bot, we're able to pull multiple automations together and sequence them to complete a task. So, okay, those are two so that
1: we think oh, good. Yeah, just keeping score so far, under the covers we've got a an agnostic RPA approach where if you have RPA already, use it. If you don't, you've got IBM RPA. You've got API connections with App Connect, 130 pre-built connectors to let's call it, you know, businesses
0: most common applications yeah. out there. Um, you've and got anything, an, Yeah, anything with open API spec we could easily connect to and turn that into an automation inside of Orchestrate, which we call a skill. So we want to make sure we Let's define that. Let's talk their, about that.
1: So, yeah. Uh, is it so, fair to say that API connections in the traditional sense are skills or how
0: would you define a skill? Yeah, great question. So the traditional sense, not necessarily, but I think when Watson becomes your assistant that helps you get work done, you need to be able to teach your assistant how to do things for you, right? And it needs to be able to work in different applications that you work in. Mm -hmm. Your HR could be Workday, could be Salesforce, uh, you know, it could be your ERP system. So there's many different systems and records or different tools, but the ability to talk to Watson and have Watson go do something for you inside one of these systems is essentially a skill. How do we do that? That can be through an API call or that could be through uh, robotic process automation. Or, or other things too, I mean, workflow tools, other automation tools, essentially anything with that API, we can turn that into a skill where something Watson's able to do to help you.
1: Okay, cool. So as you're using your natural language to interact with Watson orchestrate, you ask it to do something for you that normally you would have to do manually, um, Mm -hmm. low value, tedious task. However many things you can ask your digital assistant to do. Those are skills. Absolutely. Are they out of the of box? Of... Sorry, I mean to cut you off.
0: Oh, it's okay. I was gonna say, I know you've had a lot of really good episodes on process mining and digital twins. Mm-hmm. And so when you think of some of those bottlenecks in your process that you've identified, especially in some of these more like line of business processes that are human intensive, you have a lot of people involved and a lot of variables. Those are really good um, places to where you can um, leverage digital labor and Watson orchestrate.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, and build skills around all those things. I'm curious, are there out-of-the-box skills and how easy is it for a user, be them business or technological, to build incremental skills?
0: Yeah. A great question. And a big part of our strategy with Orchestrate is to have a catalog of out-of-the-box skills mm-hmm. we have started with HR and talent acquisition just because IBM HR is using it widely. And we, we realize there's this massive problem in companies being able to hire the right talent. So um, we did start pre-populating a lot of pre-built skills there. And we're expanding into procurement, finance, some sale, pre-built sales tech-related skills, um, personal productivity, um, and then partners. Right, like you guys are a great partner of IBM. Uh, many of our partners are like, hey, we have this set of clients with this unique problem, and we think that you know if we can automate this problem for this set of clients and do that in a conversational experience, like that would be a great you know, skill we could build. So we even have some partners that want to have a private catalog, have private, you know, skills or automations just for their clients. And there's other partners that, you know, they'd love to have that on our public catalog that actually can get them exposed to the IBM network and all of the clients that we work with. Like a marketplace. Uh, exactly. So it, it really is a mm-hmm. great way to build an ecosystem of innovation. Yeah. Uh, and really get a lot of ideas flowing. Because so I think that's where we see, um, great usage use cases that come out is by talking to partners and clients it's not just ibm building out our catalog but how, do, how does our ecosystem curate a catalog of pre-built skills that'll help people get value day one right so some a lot of the clients that have yeah. purchased orchestrate we get them up and running you know within a day and they're able to use the out of the box skills that next day and get value <laughs> well, we can talk to them about great. other things that they can build and custom skills. There's stuff they can use right away, being SaaS. They don't have to provide infrastructure. Um, you know, it, it, They're able to start using it right away. Uh, very cool that clients
1: can buy Watson Orchestrate on a Monday and start getting value out of it on a Tuesday. SaaS and out-of-the-box skills is how. Um, what about incremental skills? What about skills that are unique to that client? How do they go about building incremental custom skills?
0: Yeah. And I think that's where the light bulb idea really happens is because IBM, we've used it a lot in HR. A lot of the clients we're talking to may start there, some of the out of the box skills, mm-hmm. but when they realize that, Hey, an HRIS or HCM like Workday is really just a system of record. It's not that much different than our ERP system or our Salesforce environment. And really this could be used for any line of business, not just these things that IBM has shown us and that they use. That's when we really start to see their wheels turning and we see them, you know, that they see that they can not only give value quickly, but they can continue to use orchestrate as an innovation and automation platform that can scale across each of their different lines of businesses and integrate with the tools they use today, right? So it's not about ripping and replacing and changing up their processes, but it's just a conversational AI layer that can work with their tech stack and tools they have. Where there's bottlenecks and inefficiencies, Orchestrate can help really provide value and and instantly be plugged into those processes.
1: What would you say if, you are presented with the following scenario. It's a, you know, medium to large company. They are a, a few years into their RPA journey. They've got 50 to hundred bots in production, a nice COE pipeline factory, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they are now learning about IBM's digital labor conversational AI platform with Watson orchestrate. Uh, they understand that Watson Orchestrate can be the conversational layer on top of their existing investment in RPA bots, but they still have a pipeline of bots that have been prioritized, backlogged, and are, you know, in their development cycle. How does skill development with Watson Orchestrate either compete or complement with the
0: pre-existing RPA Bot backlog. Wow, that's a, that's an interesting uh, angle on the question. I've heard, heard variations, but I'm not sure I've heard it asked exactly that way. I think where they may have used RPA before exclusively, just because it was the tool in their tool belt, mm-hmm. this might make them think about approaches where it might be a mixture, right, of RPA and maybe, hey, that we could actually call this API. And have a slightly more reliable overall process that may not break or need as much maintenance. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes when you need to mix RPA tasks, you know, or an RPA with an API call all in one flow. And not that you can't do that. You know, many RPA tools, there's ways to integrate via API. But doing that in a a great UI and a friendly environment, um, I think that's where I think we could really See, see some really cool things happening.
1: Okay, so it's it sounds like a little bit of co-opetition, right? Where you are complementing existing investments, you're not trying to rip out, you know, what this RPA COE owner has just invested the last three years of their life
0: developing.
1: <laughs> uh, you can keep those,
0: right? Well, when talking to automation COEs, I think what interesting question I'll ask them are what are some of the bots that aren't being used as much as you thought they would, right? So they Mm, they listen to the business, the business says, hey, this is a messy process. And can you build us a bot to do this? They build it, you know, they spend the time, they build the bot. And for some reason, it's not being deployed or used as much as they thought it would. With orchestrate we can change the way an end user business user can interact with that bot and make it more discoverable. And so people in HR may not always be thinking to leverage a bot or know how to use a bot or what all bots can do.
1: Yeah. But if Watson, wow.
0: if Watson can learn your bot and it doesn't have to be IBM, right? It could be a UiPath bot. It could be automation, anywhere, bot or blue mm-hmm. prism bot. Watson now learns, this is what this bot does. This is how I, this thing fits within a flow of this api call where these other steps right it's kind of
1: like a like dummy proof rpa where you don't have to know what do each of the 100 bots that my rpa coe has just developed like you don't have to learn as a human user what those bots do with watson orchestrate all you need to know is how to articulate the task at hand and yeah the conversational AI knows what the each of the 100 RPA bots do and can do, and what the combination of them right. plus API connections can do using what was it the API AI
0: API orchestrator, right? Um, and then you think of kind of um, dummy. There more comp- so other things like scheduling tasks and orchestrate, right? Yeah, and all of this could be done in RPA, but when you have that natural language way of interacting with it, it can completely change the end user experience. 100%. So to a, a technical person, they said, Oh, yeah, well, okay, you connect a chat bot to RPA. Um, but it, it's more than that, right? So when the actual end user, you just, you talk to Watson, and the actual end user just sees this thing just happen. Uh, that experience to them is kind of that magical experience um so so yeah i think that that's what we've seen is just you know one of our customers comes to mind in particular um, where they'd already been on the rpa journey and they'd already built some bots but where they really got their business users excited is when they saw it coming into this conversational experience and then at like changing how you run your bots right you can say hey you know do this task for me tomorrow morning so, it's a different way of interacting with RPA versus doing that in your RPA studio. Like doing the, the telling it when to run there, where you could do it mm-hmm. in uh, natural language.
1: Yeah, so oh. much better for natural language experience.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, okay,
1: let's start talking use cases. Ben, mm-hmm. either your favorite real life use case from the clients you've been working with, or you did mention earlier that IBM was client zero um, for their own HR use case needs. Mm-hmm. So whichever one comes to mind, would love to uh, make this that much more real for our audience yeah. out there. What's uh, what's your favorite use case or two?
0: Yeah, just because I think the IBM HR team has been around this the longest, they've been a really close partner to us as we've built this and given us great feedback. I'll start there and then I think there's some other stories that are really interesting too. Um, and when they they've been working with chatbots, they've worked with RPA. So they are technologists at heart, even though they're in HR. Uh, so John Lester is our VP of HR transformation. He's been kind of our key partner throughout this mission. When they saw this technology, they immediately thought of a certain process in IBM, which is our promotion process. Promotion. So it happens four times a year. It's You super get promoted incredible. four times a year? <laughs> I wish. Just right? kidding. Uh, It's really important that we promote our best people when when there's a time to that we promote them. They don't leave and go elsewhere. Right. And so our our past processes, we had 14 HR business partners. Um, They were working with about 2000 hiring managers, purely just in IBM consulting. So that's where we started this in just one area of IBM. And so they were working with over about 2000 actual managers, right? And so they were pulling information from multiple systems like Workday. They were working in spreadsheets to say, okay, um, for this manager, here's the people on their team that are eligible based on this list you know, list of criteria on what it takes to be promoted. And then if they're gonna be promoted, what's the salary range that we're gonna recommend, or let this manager know, you know, here's the eligible range that you can promote them to. And it was a 10 week process. And it may not sound that bad on paper, but you're, you're a process guy, you're a process expert. And it was extremely labor intensive. And some of the bottlenecks were just chasing down the hiring managers and getting responses from them. And so we said, why are we having these 14 really smart and great people spend all their time just chasing these hiring managers down, working in spreadsheets. We created a hero. We cleverly named them and IBM HR decided that every HR use case will have HR in the name. So Hero is their first one. Um, but Hero oh, actually I see. talks to the manager. They'll tell them who on their team is eligible for promotion and a conversational experience. They'll be able to say, okay, if, if that that's the person you want to promote, here's the, the salary range that we'd recommend. Then the manager chooses who they promote and they choose what salary, right? It's not AI making the choice. It's AI pulling information from multiple systems all into one friendly UI. And then when the human makes the choice, automating that choice, actually getting executed. And so we are able to shorten that process from 10 weeks down to six weeks. More importantly, we were able to cut out 85% of the human back and forth follow-up so who people. likes that human back and forth follow up, <laughs> not me, nobody. Uh, and so what was really interesting was talking to the, they, these 14 people involved in, in John Lester, and there were some like interesting outcomes that they weren't even planning on, hmm. like comparing the choices that the manager actually made versus the recommendations and looking at things like hmm. diversity and promotions. And are we seeing the right equal representation? And these are some of the more strategic things that they wanted to focus on, right? We're IBM, we want to be a leader and we want to be innovative, mm-hmm. but because we were so caught up in the tedious processes that are mundane, repetitive, we weren't able to be that strategic thought leader, right? So I think that's really a big thing that we see is it's not just about automating something, but it's about, you know, freeing someone up to do more high value work right and making them enjoy their job making you know celebrating innovation celebrating things where you're really actually driving business impact not just completing your busy work Mm -hmm. i'm curious how did the uh
1: expected results differ from the uh actual results across um whatever dimension (laughs)
0: I think the, the funniest thing was just the jealousy it created is because there was a lot of Go other on. use cases that were being discussed. Mm-hmm. And we picked that one. And then everybody was like, Hey, me next. Like, this is my yes. why didn't we choose my idea. So now we actually have 12 pilots that HR is using for orchestrate and it has this mm-hmm. almost like grassroots viral. growth. Yeah, really coming from the actual users who are benefiting from it, not from the top down from executives. And so some of the other things I actually just got notified, one of the guys on my team, um, he took a client out to dinner and accidentally didn't unselect his per diem. And Sherlock is our expense investigator that notified me that that happened and it'll correct that and educate the employee like how it should happen. But Sherlock is another one. There's an H and an R. -R 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 Yeah, look at that, Sherlock. Uh, Charlie uh, manages IBM we do a lot of badging so Charlie is what they use to manage all the courses so oftentimes they'll have to merge courses or courses will get rescheduled or moved around and this is a lot of work if you think of all the people who are registered to a course um, and they've basically built skills specifically for assisting that process so if you think of any process or any process mining or any process that any of your guests have talked about, you know, all of these things can become use cases for digital labor. And you're not trying to say that this is like one, a tool for everything. You want to make sure it's the right tool. And there's, there's definitely cases where you probably just want to use robotic process automation or, or, you know, there there's different strategies, but, um, my, I guess my point is, it's just this kind of like grassroots innovation that's spearheaded out of people seeing it in action.
1: So we've got Hero for promotion. We've got Sherlock for expense reports, and we've got Charlie for badge assignment and management. Are those skills, or are those use cases? And if so, what's how would how would you delineate between a skill and a use case if they aren't the same?
0: Yeah. So I would say that those are digital labor or that's a digital employee essentially that has a set of skills. So there's multiple skills that Sherlock needs or multiple micro automation. Sherlock needs to be able to help assist in that process. Okay. So there's, that's where we find like, there's so like an IBM, we have so many different departments, so many different areas of our business. So we kind of think about, okay, if we were going to hire a person or hire, you know, hire digital labor to assist this department? What are the, the tools that this department uses? What are the you know the types of things that it would need need to be able to help do to assist the people in the department? So it's a I'd say it's a combination of skills that would help it to be able to serve the people in the department, right use case. Yeah, I think would, I guess it is similar to a use case, like a digital labor would be a use case, which would have um, mm-hmm. multiple sets of skills. But we, we've we also seen clients that might just have one digital labor that can tackle lots of different use cases. Yeah. So it depends on how you want with it. With many skills.
1: It seems like right. use case is kind of becoming an outdated term here. We've got digital laborers that have skills that use combinations of those skills with AI-powered API orchestration to get yeah. different types of work done. Um, never used the phrase use case in that. Very cool. Uh, Use cases. Were there any other use cases you wanted to share? I think those are fabulous examples. And anyone listening in the HR department probably chomping at the bit to learn more, (laughs) see it. By the way, while we're here, um, if people do want to learn more and see it, how would you recommend they do that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, we're, we've been traveling all over doing lots of events. I'm actually happen to be in one of the IBM innovation studios, which we like to host clients. We do some immersive AI um, workshops and activities, which have been really fun for anything from students in school to companies we work with to partners. So, um, yeah, reach out to me. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So please follow, reach out on LinkedIn if you're interested in setting something like that up. Um, we're also doing things like that. Um, with salient as well so in partnership with salient
1: that was a bit of a loaded question reach out to ben (laughs) mandelstein or myself jimmy hewitt on linkedin we'll be happy to show you watson orchestrate
0: yep Uh, um but to get back to the other part of your question on um use cases i've been patient so in the back of my head there's been things i've been dreaming about right Oh yeah. Um, i've been patient because the hr team has been such a great partner and i um so but now I'm excited to say that we're actually going to be leveraging this for eventually it'll be all sellers in IBM, but we have, we've started the pilot program. And so we've started already interviewing sellers on what are the use cases? Where do you think this could help you? What are your bottlenecks? What are the things Mm. you don't enjoy doing? So you can spend more time with your clients and it's been amazing. It's been as sellers are learning about orchestrate through all the enablement stuff we're doing thinking about how they can actually use it in their day-to-day life and apply it wow. to help them be more successful um, and the other one actually really hits hits home for me um, so I have dysgraphia um, I am ne- neurodivergent and I don't mm. think people necessarily talk about this enough um, but I think there's a tremendous opportunity for technology not just Watson well, an orchestrate but gener- some of the um, generative technology, and automation to help neurodivergent people. Um, just like, so for example, when I was in school, I got pulled out of class in English um, and I'd get extra time on certain activities. There were some written papers that other people you know, would write by hand. My accommodation was I was able to use my laptop, right? Mm-hmm. So using your digital assistant or your digital labor could be the next thing to help neurodivergent people So maybe it's ADHD and you want a reminder of when you, you know, a reminder that something's coming up. And so Watson orchestrate, it's not just about a business process, but it can be more personal than that. It can be, how can it help you personally And the AI, the sequencing AI is actually looking at your personal log of your usage of orchestrate and is actually learning and making recommendations based on you. So not just your company, I think that personal level and how it can help me, like personally, as someone with dysgraphia, um, and many other people in the neurodivergent community in IBM, I think that's just something that I think that you know makes me happy just to to be able to make an impact as well. Because um, at the end of the day, I think that's where where IBM can actually make an impact, make a change on the world, you know and I think. Yeah, just being parts of those types of projects are, are what gets me really excited.
1: It's not a small problem either.
0: Um,
1: uh, something like 15 to 20 people, uh, humans are neurodivergent, right? Yeah, roughly like either.
0: 20% of the population. So it's yeah, either don't um, know
1: that they are just general struggling, um, or they do, and they just don't have the equipment to accommodate that neurodivergency. Um, uh, so come on out of your, of your neurodivergent shells. And we've got a fabulous piece of technology here that can help, um, uh, good for business, good for people. Yeah, absolutely mark on that. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for sharing that, Ben. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate the, uh, the element there that you don't always, um, expect to, to learn about, uh, good for business. Obviously the productivity gains are, are clear. Um, the, uh, what was it explainability is also really good for business, um, bias confirmation or, or, or not good for business. Um, the diversity and and inclusion angle that, you know, can be trained on is good for business uh good for people just makes your life easier like you said yeah. earlier it, it it removes the worst part of your your week your expense report it removes the worst part <laughs> of your 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 day right the follow-ups the the calendar management right I'd imagine that a lot of sellers out there are asking for skills around sending follow-ups and booking meetings Yeah, booking meetings and confirming meetings, right? I feel like I spend 33% of my day doing those three things.
0: uh, Or today's June 22nd, and uh, it's about the end of the quarter. And every quarter, we have an entire process of sellers moving opportunities and updating the status and all the management chains that are asking questions. Oh my
1: gosh, updating your CRM.
0: So get out of here. You could just have Watson say, Hey, you know, I see it's about to be the third quarter. Do you like me to update these 10 ops? that are in a lower stage, but have a close date of the second quarter. Like you can program mm. that, you know, that type of intelligence, time-saving, right? Is that you shouldn't be asking your sellers to spend hours cleaning up their sales force, right? You should be that's providing huge. technology that allows them to be spending their time with your clients. So Why I think I that's like, what, Yeah, I think I'm
1: going where you're going. Why do I feel like we're in kind of a watershed moment here? On how work gets done at large. Every company has a sales force, unless they've figured out how to conduct business without a sales force, which maybe some e-commerce companies have and, and are doing. But by and large, every company has a sales force. Every company has an HR department. Every sales force and HR department are doing these tasks manually today. Um, uh, yeah.
0: Why do I and feel every, like we're at almost, almost every company has automation technology, right? They've invet- made these investments and now they can pull all of them together in one UI and really get more value out of investments they've already made. Very cool.
1: Um, well hey, we're coming up on it Ben. Um uh, lightning round, couple questions for you. First off, is there anything that you were hoping to chat or talk about that I didn't ask you? Um, that you want to maybe breathe some oxygen into?
0: Yeah, no, I think, again, this might be a little bit of a plug, but uh, Salient is one of our best partners when it actually comes to building custom skills and custom bots. So I was hoping you might have might share a little bit on your thoughts on how you see Salient helping clients bring their ideas come to life for, for skills or automations for Watson Orchestry.
1: A question for the question asker. I like it, Ben. Sure, yeah, no, I do think about this. Um, I'm excited to get into the market with Watson Orchestrate. Um, actually, your team and I have started those client conversations already, um, and we have several more coming up. Um, it's early stages. We're in the demonstrating you know, product market fit a- at the moment, um, but in the coming, weeks, if not sooner, I'd expect us to start implementing and building these skills. So what does that look like? And what's our role in this marketplace? We want to build skills, we want to help our clients be successful. And if there's non proprietary elements of these skills that can be captured and made available to others in the marketplace, um, it kind of feels like we're a part of a, a really important open source project, almost. You know, yeah. we, we contribute to open source communities and forums already, like uh, APQC, IPQC. Um, these are productivity and process standardizing organizations that we contribute to. Um, why not contribute to the growing ecosystem of digital labor skills? Um, that That's really how I see us playing a role. in in similar ways that we are with our RPA clients, our case management clients, our workflow clients, helping train them, develop them, implement them. Um, Although the unique aspect here is that reusable skill element that does not currently exist in how we're helping our our customers. And um, especially if we're talking revenue shares for us as a company and our clients, I'm sure there's a cool, you know, revenue share element to this, that, that, you know, show me the incentive. I'll show you the outcome. If you're, if IBM is paying partners and clients to develop these skills and contribute to the community, um, then I'm sure that's only going to be ramped up. If there's a a revenue share element to this. Um, yeah, no, that's how I, I see us contributing to the, to the cause.
0: Yeah. Also, I know you guys build some really complex RPA parts for some of your clients. And I think you can, some analogy I heard was thinking of like a monolithic application, right? And it's a one big giant application and companies have taken microservices approach yeah. to break that apart into small parts you can work with. And I think of like RPA could be a big bot where you could break that apart into pieces of that process. Yes teach the AI what each of those pieces do, and then use the sequencing AI to actually string those pieces together. And then when you have one piece break, because something changed, you don't have to re-engineer the whole bot. Yeah, right. You can that one piece, you need to make that update. Right. But Watson's able to actually sequence different bots and API calls. And I just think the art of the possible and what you can automate opens up even more than it already was.
1: I absolutely love that kind of mental model, especially for our clients and others who have significant investments in automations, whether that's with IBM RPA, UiPath, Automation Anywhere, Microsoft, Power Automate, Power BI that are, you know, either small, medium or large t-shirt size bots, you know? Uh, what if they were extra small bots? What if they were that much more modular? What if we did apply this microservices approach that we have, you know, been doing for 20 years on these legacy monolithic applications to your automation fabric yeah. and using the sequencing AI, to To do more with your existing bots than you ever you know could could imagine, uh, just a just a lovely mental model for what Watson Orchestrate can do for companies already investing in automation RPA,
0: and they're ahead um, of the game. Right? They're going to be able to yeah. use the technology like orchestrate faster, get more value quicker because of the previous investments they've made in automation. Yeah. So to answer, I think you've, you've asked it a few times throughout the podcast, but I think they're in a great position. I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a tremendous value they can get out of incorporating some of their existing automation into this comprehensive tool that can orchestrate across RPA, API, any automation.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. What else is left? What are you most excited about, um, in terms of the next three, six, nine, twelve, eighteen 12, 18 months with regards to where this product, um, is headed?
0: Yeah, I think one of the other big products IBM came out with, is the Watson X, which for those who are less familiar. Is really IBM's ability to work with clients to create their own large language model. So ChatGPT is just one model, um, but when you think about different large language models, can be used for different use cases or different parts of your business, right? And you want that because they're trained on a different data set. You want a smaller model, cost less to run it, uh, lower latency, um, and it's more accurate. So you want small models that are precise for different use cases. There's definitely times where you want a big giant huge, uh, huge model, but a lot of times you want these small models. And then from an IT perspective, you need to set governance and which model you use because a lot of the the business users who are used to chat GPT are used to this black box as one model, They, they speak into it, it gets a result. Um, But they're not thinking about the data set and all these things. So I guess to my point is where Watson X and Orchestrate come together, right? And Orchestrate is the application that end users interact with and touch, Mm -hmm. but you can have custom large language models inside of Orchestrate with the governance and compliance that large enterprise clients will need.
1: I'm glad you brought up governance and compliance. Last lightning round question is what say you to the undercurrent of this large language model, uh, generative AI, uh, digital labor, that, you know, is concerned for where this technology is headed? What, you know, stoppers are in place? What, you know, what solutions are in place? Or, you know, just how is, how would you respond to those concerns?
0: I guess, like concerns just in general on, on generative AI in, in, the, in the workplace, or could, you might know? Um, right?
1: Yeah, so I follow the general AI concerns from a distance, so I'm not an expert on this topic, but singularity is one that comes to mind, uh, biases are others mm-hmm. that come to mind, Uh, quality of information would be a third uh, to which you have explainability citing your source, right? Where did you Mm -hmm. get this piece of information from? Uh, You know, just the general, like, oh, I don't want, you know, this, I don't want to move too quickly in this AI direction type of concerns.
0: I think uh, where I've heard companies ask, um, is who's responsible for the outcome? Is it the company that, that generates it? Is it, you know, is it, is it the client or is it the technology? And so a lot of companies are having these conversations. And so I think the processes that touch clients, I've, I've heard people be more reserved on. So mm-hmm. external use cases um, where I think internal processes, people are willing to try things that are a little outside of their comfort zone because they see these amazing leaps in productivity and cost yes. savings. And uh, they can, it's kind of a weighing with the liability versus the productivity and the increases. So they think that trying some of these generative AI tools for internal use cases, one, that's safer. But I think with with orchestrate where we use generative AI out of the box is sequencing automations which you're, you're providing, here's the next step Watson would recommend. You're not doing it. So you always have that person in the loop that can say, oh no, that's not what I'm trying to do. Right. So that, that gives, like, the generative AI is giving you a suggestion on what you want to do next. It's not doing it for you or making that happen. So we think that's a pretty safe place. Um, and then generating utterances for training them natural language processing. And even then we have a human in the loop. So, you might you know, type in a few ways you would talk to Watson to invoke a, a skill or automation happening. And we use generative AI to come up with many others, hmm. even then, you have a human in the loop and you can check and spot check and say, no, I, w- I would never say that, like, that doesn't make sense. Um, so that's where we've focused and where we've started. And sure. uh, I think there's definitely other clients that are a little more aggressive and um, are willing to take risk because they see amazing, amazing disruption opportunities and huge, um, and, you know, huge ways that this can enhance their business. So yeah, there's all kinds of clients with different risk aperture, but that's part of our, our way we can work with them and help them and say, hey, uh, if you want a really safe way to get started, here's some use cases that might be a good fit for you.
1: Great answer, Ben. We'll take you off the hot seat on that one. Four good examples for (laughs) ushering this disruptive technology safely. Maybe start internally uh, before you expose this to your clients. That will help you develop that level of comfort. Uh, Incrementally, right? So kind of like the hiring manager or not hiring manager, just the manager who's Mm -hmm. giving a promotion. to be presented with the salary range options as opposed to the AI making the salary range decision for that hiring manager, right? Kind of an incremental. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's internal, incremental. And I really like the Watson X building your own custom large language model as opposed to basing the large language model off of like the public internet. Yeah, Where you've got a lot of uh, information, some mm-hmm. true, most not building your own custom large language models probably probably the strongest safeguard to you know ushering in this ai safely um and then yeah what you said about training utterances as well having the human in the loop for the development process um again not an expert but solid uh solid answer take you off the hot Thank seat you. uh that that's really all i had Ben this has been Incredibly informative, just as exciting, and I'm super optimistic about not only you and your success, the Watson Orchestrate team's success, um, but also the clients that are out there adopting it. I'm really excited for for folks out there listening to, uh, yeah, to get started with this technology and see see where we are in the next 12, 18 months.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah, thanks again for having me on. I'd love to come back in the future and maybe give more updates on some of the client stories of uh, some of the exciting projects we're working on. I can't, can't quite talk about them yet, but a lot Let's of exciting it. stuff. I'm excited. Thanks again, Ben. Thanks.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of Bots and Thoughts, the hyper automation podcast sponsored by Salient Process. Be sure to never miss an episode by hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. Don't forget to connect and interact with us. You can find us on Bots and Thoughts' own LinkedIn page. And we're constantly running feedback surveys and ask that if you've made it this far in the episode, show us some love by responding to a survey and following us on LinkedIn. Finally, if you or someone you know would like to be a special guest on the show, we have a nomination form also down in the description for you to fill out. And with that, see you next episode and happy automating.